and Mr. Sam. Uh, I am so excited about what, and I don't believe I'm the only one. I believe that for the last two months, we have been fired up. It's been a, a lineup online teaching. And um, this past Sunday, oh my gosh, it was incredible. And the, the miracle that I saw on Sunday, it was like there was a, such a blanket of revelation that was imparted to us. And it's amazing to me how we can all come into the presence of God, get this teaching, and whatever it is, whatever questions that we have, whatever is going on, he answers it just like that. I mean, with just one word, everybody gets what they need. And so I am really excited about um, what I've been hearing. And I don't believe that I am the only person that, um, I'm going to share my screen. I don't believe I'm the only person that um, is being transformed by what God is doing in and through us. So we were just, I was just um, thinking about not just Sunday. I, Sunday was, you know, I think rocket fuel. <laughs> That's all I could um, really attribute it to the message that uh, Prophet um, LA gave us about the reach and the many different levels that um, she dug in and, and um, exposed us to the plan of God and what we need to do and how we're able to, as um, Prophet Andrea was talking about, I've seen how um, illustrations of how we have to, as we are trying to change from the moth to the butterfly. And if you would take that moth out of its cocoon before time, and so you've set them free, but you've taken away the strength um, that would help them to really manifest who they are. So when I was thinking of everything that we have been hearing, I mean, just for a minute, just think about some of the messages that we have heard. Apostle Teresa um, told us about how we're to move prophetically and apostolically, um, that Jesus is the only way, that we're not is not the Deborah anointing, it's not the Issachar anointing, that the prophetic mind discerns our brokenness, but we're not left there because the apostolic mind tells us how to move forward and that we must check our pursuit because Christ is the cornerstone. The true mind of renewal will bring us into apostolic wisdom. So I'm just reviewing some of our notes and I'm sure that, or I want to encourage you that you would review the notes that you've taken um, because there is a lineup online, um, there's a lineup online teaching that is bringing us into a place of transformation. And I am just really grateful that we are at a place that we are, we can, that we can get this good teaching. Uh, we also were blessed by Dr. K. How many of you remember the illustration of the young woman and the old lady? And some of us only saw one, one type um, in the illustration, which really talked about um, our perception and that culture changes or really roots in us how we believe a certain thing. And because of that, now, and she did say this too, that um, everything is based on, on someone's opinion. 
And the only thing that is unchangeable is the word of God. And so we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are getting this information. And every time we gather here, we are transformed. And I'm not, you know, uh, discounting things that anybody else does, but I just know that me personally, my life is being changed. And, and I'm not trying to stretch out or have somebody to pull me out of the cocoon. I need this strengthening um, that we're receiving through the word. We've talked about, uh, Mr. Chiquita talked about creating new perceptions, creating new memories, uh, which require ways new of thinking differently. And really that's what uh, repentance is. And it depends on what you were, how you were raised, uh, if you were raised in church or not, but sometimes coming into um, certain doctrines, the teaching is that repentance means that you cry your eyes out, you run to the altar, you feel guilty, and, and you do all these type of uh, illustrations of penance. And that's not it at all. Uh, repentance is a change of mind. And if we have not had the kinds of, of um, understandings and trainings and teachings and moldings and stripping this off and putting uh, the mind of Christ on, it is unbelievable. I am so grateful that we are getting all this teaching. It's like a big ball of revelation. And um, I remember in the scripture, I believe it was, I believe it was Isaiah. And uh, he was given uh, this truth, one of the, one of the prophets, and he ate it and it was revelatory. So we can't just take what we're getting um, as far as teaching, we have to consume it. We have to eat it and not just on Sunday. What I've been doing, going back to the lessons and sometimes it may not hatch, <laughs> you may not understand it or it may not have that explosiveness that needs to happen. But sometimes as we're going back to review what we've been taught, then again, our eyes are open. It's almost like uh, the story of the, of the men that were on the Emmaus Road. And Jesus, he had been crucified and he risen and he's walking down the, um, this road with them. And they're talking about what a great man he was and how he was this and that. He was the Messiah. And they didn't even recognize that it was him walking right there with them. And then when they recognized it and their eyes were open, it was just amazing. He sat with them and then he disappeared. And sometimes receiving this um, impartation of revelation, this transformation that we're receiving, sometimes is hidden. And then maybe on the, the next time you hear it, you listen, you view the video, or you go with your notes, and then you're catching something else. So with all of these teachings, it's been awesome, even for our um, book uh, discussion group on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. So all of this together is, is coming and is making us ready. It's readying us to understand who we are. And I definitely can't forget the wonderful message that we received from uh, Prophet Andrea. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at uh, perfect conditions a whole lot differently now. Our eyes are being opened. We have understood now that when things are what we appear to be dark and unfavorable or whatever, that God has a word of light to, to speak to it. And he always does. So it's really important that we get to the place 
that we understand that he is always about his intention. If, and if you can't see for forever, but especially like the last uh, six weeks, eight weeks, that the intentionality of the father to specifically get us to the place where we can understand, not just understand, but actually become likeness and image in him. It's awesome. And I'm so excited. And I think I've gotten um, a little ahead of myself, but let's do these preliminaries. So tonight, let's, uh, let's talk about um, the unbelievable gift. I'm so grateful to for um, being able to um, teach tonight. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for being a student, a forever student, because every time that I'm sitting here, whether I am listening to the teaching that goes on in the conservatory um, and someone else is teaching, even sometimes as I might be even studying to uh, present something to you, God is just opening my understanding. So tonight, I do want to talk to you about the unbelievable gift. And we have received such unbelievable uh, not just promises, revelation of the word, and, and specifically things specific to our individual lives. And we can see how uh, God has just crafted his word and he's just doing what he promises to do. So here's the copyright disclaimer information. And this is all of what we always um, share. And I'm not a doctor, lawyer, counselor, therapist, uh, any of that. I just love the body of Christ. And, and we are um, together as conservators, we are intentional in really helping uh, one another. So important. This is why I really um, love this community. Then this is our, our overview, what the Scribal Conservatory um, is as conservators. And many of you have seen this. And you know, I wanna encourage you because we can look at this but we may need to study it. We may need to read it. Sometimes things become um, passe and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it is so profound and so deep that we really um, get to a full understanding. And I love how the Lord is just imparting the truth of this, that it's ongoing. This is not something that we just get and we got it forever. He is constantly uh, bringing us into more of the knowledge of him. So I'm so grateful for that. And we won't forget to give um, Minister Baruba definitely will be uh, posting in the chat. And we want to encourage you to give, um, if you want to give to um, directly to um, Apostle um, Teresa, the information is there and also for um, the ministry. So when we talk about um, gifts. He, this is, these are some of the uh, words that describe how we feel about it, what it represents. You know, if we know something is coming, we're anticipating. Sometimes we're surprised. Um, it has maybe a courtesy. Sometimes it's extravagant. Sometimes it's just something small, but most times it brings a smile uh, to our face. Well, when it's a good gift, um, sometimes the um, kindness of others is overwhelming, and, and then there's the gratitude and all of this. Now, 
I've been celebrating my birthday the past two weeks. I do celebrate all month. <laughs> I think that's, that's true for um, a lot of us. Um, but I can tell you I've had some excellent and fun kind of things. And all of this, uh, most of these definitions represent uh, the feeling of it. And usually there can be a, a dread, you know, when you're, when you're growing in grace, that's what I'll call it. But um, I'm grateful because out of all of this, in the study of this um, subject, um, I was blown away by it. Um, one of the things that I really do know and appreciate is that there is no ceiling to God's revelation. And you know, my passion has been, you know, forgiveness. And, you know, sometimes you can feel like, oh, God, come on again. But what else? What else can I, I teach people about forgiveness? And he came through like I have never seen. He always is in a place where he can surprise you, where he can um, elevate your understanding. And sometimes you just have to sit there and just be like, I don't believe that I've been reading this scripture forever. And I just don't believe that now, again, after all these years, I'm taken to a new level of understanding. So I'm really um, excited about it. I want these various um nouns and verbs to really impress you tonight by what we're going to discover about the unbelievable gift. Now, we're going to play um, Holy Scrabble and uh, Minister Sam, this is where I'm going to need your help. So here's the rules of the game. All of those of you um, in the conservatory, in the chat, Please name a five-letter word that begins with W and ends with Y. Uh, for most scribes, some of us, we like puzzles. We like to figure stuff out. And, and I'm hoping that you're, you're chiming in and putting in your answers. Um, if you see them, um, Sam, whenever you're ready and you start seeing it, if you can call it out to me so I can hear what they're saying. Okay, here are some of the words. Worry, windy, worthy, witty, weepy, whiny, wordy. Okay, one of them was six letters. <laughs> Weird, wor I don't know that word, Diane. I, it's W-E-A-R-T, weird. Come <laughs> on, I love oh, it. Weary. Ah. Weepy, woody. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Wishy and washy. Those were the last ones. <laughs> what, was the, what were the last ones? Wishy and washy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this. Um, and it's very funny that not one person got <laughs> this particular winning word, this, this unbelievable gift. And we know the word. We know what it is. And actually, this word um, can handle everything that people put in there. Worry whining, weepy, worry, uh, 
wishy-washy, <laughs> weepy. Um, this word that jumped out at me, I have, we've all heard this word. We have all used this word and we have hoped um, for this word and maybe we have extended this um, to people. So let me reveal what the word is. And you're gonna go, ah. The word is mercy. Now, I can't tell you how, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit of how I came across this. And you know, we talk about goodness and mercy, grace and mercy and all this other stuff. And, but the way that the Lord um, began to unfold this message to me was profound because it really let me know how deep the heart of God is toward his people. All right, so in the Hebrew is Hesed, um, number 2617, and, and mercy is mentioned 149 times, kindness, loving kindness, goodness, kindly, merciful, favor, good, goodness, pity. Okay, all that's all good. That sounds wonderful. And then in the Greek, it gives a little bit more definition. It's Elios, um, number 1657, and it talks about mercy, kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. Now, when I saw that miserable and afflicted, I went right back to those perfect conditions that apostle, that oops, um, <laughs> prophet Andrea uh, began to outline and some of the things where we have felt like God has forgotten or we waited so long, the prayer has not been answered. We are just on pins and needles and we are trying to arm wrestle God into hurrying up and bring us out of our dilemma. And sometimes the revelation of understanding how much he loves us is being built and burned and birthed in us because we haven't understood. We have, um, depending on how we were raised, or, you know, the doctrines that we have been exposed to, we might feel that there's this mean God in the sky and he's just waiting to, you know, hit us with lightning bolts or whatever, and that he's, he doesn't um, care for his people or that even worse, the time of healing and miracles and deliverance and anything that was in the scriptures, those times are no longer. So as I'm studying this, I began to see um, just how much the mercy of God is prevalent in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament. And we'll get to that in a moment. Number two, it says, amend towards men. So from, from me to you or from you to me, that we're to exercise the virtue of mercy and to show oneself merciful. Or of God towards men in general, providence, the mercy and clemency of God in providing and offering to men salvation by Christ. Now, um, Minister um, Sam, can you help me with this? I want people to, in the chat, tell me what they think clemency means. What do you think clemency means? We've heard it as it relates to the penal system or you know, someone um, is petitioning to the, the president for clemency what do you think what do you think clemency means so some of the responses are forgiveness mm -hmm. pardon 
show ourselves merciful, forgiveness, remission. Excellent. Absolutely. Forgiveness. And in previous um, um, messages, we knew that to, to wipe away, to get rid of, to release. And, and it's the same thing that is tied to mercy, that we have the clemency of God, not just man, because, you know, we might pick and choose who we want to have clemency. We forgive this one and we may not forgive this one, depending on, or we, we might, you know, we forgive you, but uh, you go sit over there. We, we kind of cool. We don't really want to have any dealings with you. But this clemency, mercy and clemency of God, where he provides an offering to men by the salvation of Christ by Christ's um, uh, sacrifice for our salvation. And number four, of uncertain affinity, compassion, human or divine, especially active, tender mercy. Okay, it's not, uh, look at that where it says, especially active. It's not dormant. It's not just laying aside. It is um, an active affinity for mercy. So already these synonyms have clarified a lot. Sometimes we kind of mix up the words together, you know, while mercy points to a loving forgiveness or wrongdoing, grace steps, um, goes a step further. It is unmerited. We've heard those kinds of um, um, definitions and many are quick to point that out. And it means that we experience the wondrous goodness of God that we absolutely do not deserve not in our own strength not 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 based on our goodness uh, not based on anything that we we can do the scripture says that um not by works of righteousness that we have done so we can't fast our way here we can't pray our way here we can't give our way here we can't do all these other types of um things that people ex you know exalt as if they had to earn it by way of the works. This is not that. God is so merciful and kind to us that he has made a way for us to get what he wants us to have. And I'll say all the time, especially initially, we didn't even know we needed it. We didn't even know what it was. So how many of you have heard the phrase, have mercy? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean my parents grew up in the South, but um, we would always see it. And we would always say, you know, if they heard bad news, it was a Lord, have mercy, you know? And even now my grand, my granddaughter, this new generation, so she doesn't say they have mercy. So for the younger generation, they say have mercy. And I was like, what? She said, have mercy, grandma, have mercy. And so I had to be tickled by what she was saying, but I understand, you know, they got a shortcut for everything. But the person that I saw the most that had this particular uh, phrase was mentioned 68 times in the King James. And it was David. He was the master of the have mercy phrase. Um, and he had different reasons. So um, he said, have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. 
Now, now that's something to really be asking the Lord. These were his prayers. He said, hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. So even in the, in the midst of the blessing and the growth and the expansion, he's saying, Lord, have mercy. He, that we, he still understood that I'm not going to make it if you don't do, if you don't do this in me if you don't allow this mercy to overtake me and and walk with me let this goodness and mercy follow me um, all the days of my life this is what he wrote in Psalms 23 um, have mercy upon me O Lord for I am weak how many of you have been weak or sick and your prayer was Lord have mercy or he said this, have mercy upon me, O Lord, consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. So now he had his thing, but you know, um, this was his prayer. He didn't have an Old Testament Facebook where he was talking about his haters. He was here in the presence of God, laying his heart out, and he was actually having, Lord, have mercy, because they were going to kill him. So at the point of death, he understood that this was something that he needed to pray for. Lord, have mercy. Help me. Please deliver me. Don't let him kill me. Turn unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate. I am afflicted. And when I think of the things that David went through when he was in Ziklag and, and they came and stole his wives and the kids or the time when he was in the cave and pretending like he was crazy <laughs> so he could um, get out of there, the time when he faced Goliath or the time when he went through all these other um, exploits, his prayer was, Lord, have mercy. He even said this, sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. So not only was he, he, pray, he was praising God and, and joyful, he stood on the promise that even in the future, that God would comfort his people, that he would have mercy. So here are some of the um, other Old Testament and, and New Testament, some of the prophets they were saying, expressing God's heart. And he was, this is what he was saying. You know, he was a little ticked with them, but he said, in a little wrath, I, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on you, said the Lord, your redeemer. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Lord hiding his face and then saying, but I love you anyhow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some mercy. I'm going to give you some mercy. Then he says again, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy. It's a, a promise. This is Old Testament. Do y'all see this? And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There is that clemency we were talking about that he will abundantly pardon. He's just not going to meet out just a little bit. He's not going to just give you a, you know, a, thumb, a thimble full, a fingernail full. It is abundant. And with all the things that people talk about, oh, we want the abundance. And, you know, it's always about the material. But there is nothing as great as the abundance of God and his grace and his mercy for us. So then he says, I will, I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. Can you understand that? 
They didn't get the mercy. God said, I'm going to still make a way for you to have it. And I will say to them, which are not my people, y'all ain't mine. You're not my blood. You no relations to me. You're my people. And they shall say, you are my God. Can you see throughout scripture how the love of God, but his plan, his intention for mercy to be shown, he wants his people to know how much he's having mercy on them. Habakkuk 2 and 2. Oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and I was afraid. Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. Here we are. Habakkuk had a reason to be scared. But he said, Lord, in wrath, I know these people have got on your nerves, but will you please in your wrath, remember to have mercy. It was almost the same thing that Moses prayed when he was like, Lord, look, okay, you kill everybody. What are, what are the other nations going to say about you? If, you, if you're not going to do it, just okay. But this is your word. So they will remember, I'm, Lord, these are scary times. Same things for us. All kind of things going on in the world. But in your wrath, or what people call wrath, remember mercy. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This was Romans 9, 15. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have a ministry of mercy, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We're going to get into this in just a little bit. And it's not by, so people understand, it is not by works of righteousness that we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, I was trying to figure out, Lord, where are you going? Because he did drop something to me that really just messed me up. And I'm going to share that with you in just a moment, how I even got to looking at this. I've studied the mercy seed. I've looked at mercy. I've done all these other things. And, and you know, we have to just really uh, ask God <laughs> because we don't know nothing. I will be a forever student. I will submit my whole mind because I'm like, Lord, and in this, in this season of my life, I'm like, Lord, gouge it out. Anything that does not reflect who you are or ever have been, uh, flush it out of my consciousness. Get rid of any old doctrine or old ways that, that don't reflect you. Any, any remnants of religion or false thinking, and he's doing it. Now, it is a day-by-day -day prayer. Do you hear me? Every day I have to I have to pray that, but I also have to get into a place where he can use whatever means he needs to uproot any lie that I believe. And you know what? Religion is full of them. Uh, we have not even known or understand the fullness of all that God wants to reveal. And I believe we, we ain't even scratching the surface. He's just getting us to the place so that we can begin to carry who we are, recognize who we are, and then carry what he's placed on the inside of us. So anyway, in the Old Testament, the mercy seat, what was it? The scripture references for this is Exodus 10 
and 22 and Leviticus 16, and you can really dig into that um, in your study. Um, so what was it? It was a wooden box that was about 45 inches long, about 27 inches wide and tall. It had legs. You can see here from this picture, it had rings. Would you see the wood um, poles that are slid through it? And they were used for that to carry from one place to the other. Um, it was overlaid with gold. The art contained um, stone tablets, the word of the covenant. It had Aaron's rod. It had um, one other thing that was in there. It'll come to me and I did put it in this example, but it contained not just the law, it contained oh, the manna. It had manna in there, it had oil, and it had the, the tablets of stone, and it had Aaron's rod. And where was it located? It was located in the Holy of Holies, or also known as the most holy place. There were three different parts in the tabernacle. It was the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. So it's been way in the back. Um, who had access? The high priest would enter in once a year during a time called the Day of Atonement and offer sacrifices for the sins of the children of Israel. Do you understand? They did what they did a whole year. And not only did the high priest go in one time, but he had to not pray for them, ask for, ask for forgiveness for them, but also for his own stuff. And um, I won't get into, but there was a way that they would have bells around the outer portion of his, of his priestly garment at the bottom. And as long as once he got in there and he was in the presence of the Lord and he was shaking and you heard the bells ringing, he was all right. But if those bells stop ringing, it was a wrap. They'd have to pull him out. They had a, a rope tied to his waist and they pulled him out. So this was the purpose that God designated that this place to speak to Moses initially and reveal his commandments uh, for the children of Israel as well. And where did it go? So the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant went everywhere the children of Israel went. And, and there are instances in the scripture where they would take it, and uh, one of my favorite was they put it in the house, I believe, of, of Dagon. They stole it, and they had the nerve to put it with their other gods. Well, when they put it in with their other gods, Dagon's head fell off, and they didn't learn that lesson. I think they did it again. Same thing happened. So the, the presence of the Lord was um, with this particular Ark of the Covenant. Not only that, there were times that if you didn't study and understand that there was a certain uh, commandment and how the ark should be carried, they tried to put it on wheels. You know, man is always coming up with an idea of how uh, we need to do something. I've, I've been guilty. I was like, well, Lord, the Lord give you something and we run with a bullet and try to put it on an ox cart. And then it blows up. And this is the same thing that they did. They say, well, you know, we're not going to carry it. We're going to put it on a cart. Fail, epic fail. Or another time when, when somebody tripped and it was about to fall and this poor, this poor gentleman went to catch it and dead on the spot. So I am so grateful that we have a different mercy seat today. Um, I, I praise God that he has uh, 
helped us to understand all these things that he did in the beginning just for his people, but now uh, it's a new day. So what do we need mercy for? People are like, what, why do I need it? And why did they need it? And who is it for and for what? So this is what blew me away. I was listening to um, an audio uh, book, Audible, and uh, the author, which is going on, I'm listening, he said something that really messed me up and this is what it was. So some, this is regarding Solomon's idolatry. It says in 1 Kings eleven thirteen. however, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. Now, um, I'm sure everybody has heard that Solomon had a whole bunch. I think he had 300 wives and a thousand concubines. That's a lot of women. And I think the reason he, he was a man who loved the Lord. He asked the Lord, you know, the Lord asked him, what do you want? He said, Lord, just give me wisdom. Solomon is known for his wisdom. People would travel far and near to hear his wisdom. And then he built the, the um, temple and he had riches and wealth and everything, everything. But the one thing that got him in trouble was his um, overindulgence of so many wives. And even in, in, um, in, David, King David's life, you know, when he took Bathsheba, the Lord said, if you had to ask me, you should have asked me, I would have given what you wanted, but you didn't ask me. Now you've killed this innocent man. So here's this stuff that's going on in this family. But here's something that really, 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 really messed me up. Furthermore, God has this message for you. God himself, this is the message Bible, I believe, God himself will build you a house. When your life is complete and you're buried with your ancestors, then I'll raise up your child, your own flesh and blood, and to succeed you, and I'll firmly establish his rule. This is what he's saying to David. He will build a house to honor me, and I will guarantee his kingdom's rule permanently. I'll be a father to him, and he'll be a son to me. Listen to this. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls and obstacles of this mortal life. But I'll never remove my gracious love from him. Did y'all get that? I'll never remove my gracious love from him as I removed it from Saul, who preceded you and whom I most certainly did remove, your family and your kingdom are permanently secured. I'm keeping my eye on them and your royal throne will always be there, rock solid. So here God in his foreknowledge already knew, already knew that Solomon, yeah, he gonna have a problem, but I'll discipline him. And I'll never remove my love from him. Did y'all get that? You know, if you've heard people talk about Solomon, he, God didn't forgive him. He's in hell or wherever. I was blown away. I was like, Lord, I, I never read this scripture. I never knew how, how great your mercy and, and other translations, it talks about, I'll never remove my mercy from him. I'm amazed. Let's look at another example of mercy. So the widow woman, so here she is, um, 
her husband has died. She got her sons and they are threatening to force her sons into slavery. And here comes the mercy. The prophet tells her, what do you have? Go pour some oil. Simple stuff. Do you see the simple answers of mercy? We think it's this big pie in the sky. We get, we win the lottery or we win some sweepstakes or we get this miraculous information or, or we wake up and all of a sudden our whole body is healed. Our bank accounts are full. There's some little things that God responds to when it comes to his outpouring of mercy. Let's look at Manasseh. He was the king of Judah. He sacrificed his own sons to Molech. Now that's pretty bad. You sacrifice your own sons. And when I'm talking about sacrifice, they had uh, these fire pits. That's a whole nother thing. Um, and I believe the word Gehenna is part of that. But anyway, they had these fire pits and to appease their idol God, they take their children and throw it in there. Can you imagine that? He's an idolater. He's a murderer. Look what the Lord did. God punished him by taking him into captivity. Now, when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication and brought him back to Jerusalem and to his own kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. He was a murderer. He was an idolater. He taught the Israelites idolatry. Look what God did. The Ninevites. How many of us have been um, like Jonah? Lord, you to I, I told them what you said. I told them what you said, and you're not going to punish them? You're going to give them mercy? Now, I look stupid. God ain't, he's not thinking about you. He says, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? They can't, they don't know. That's why I sent you. And it's my mercy that I sent you to tell them what I want to do. And look, they repented. Jonah was mad. John was mad because God showed mercy on something. I have seen this in the body of Christ. The Lord forgives someone for some great sin and raises that person up. And then here come the stone throwers, just like they were with the woman that was caught in adultery. Just like um, they didn't even understand the mercy of God. And there it was. They said, Lord, we drug her out. We caught her. She was in there with that man. She was in there. We also saw it. Well, the question was, what y'all doing looking? He just said, he kept writing in the ground. Do you see how mercy operates? How he just writes against their contradictions in the ground, against your circumstances, those perfect conditions. He's bringing light. He's helping your reach. Listen, he delivered them. And then Job, okay, I, didn't, I wasn't going to put Job in here. <laughs> but Job was complaining about their perfect conditions. 
<laughs> he was complaining. He was complaining to his friends. They was complaining. They was giving him wrong counsel. And but the Lord had mercy. And he came, he told you, he said, all right, all right, I, I, I get it. Because not many people can deal with, you lost all your kids. The, the storm came and got all your livestock. You got boils on your, on your body. You told your wife to curse God, or your wife told you to curse God and die. I get it, I get it. Who could stand against all that? But when Job came to himself, he said, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know. Then Lord said, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And that, that's a humility. Can you agree that that's a humility when you have been beat up so bad that you turn around and pray for your friends? And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Compounded interest. I'm loving it. He got children back, cattle back, house, everything, everything. He got it back. But he went through those circumstances that looked really dark. And God still had mercy on him. And then you got the crucifiers. It says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Okay, that, that's a duplicate. Okay, but the crucifiers here um, were those that had crucified the Lord Jesus. They spat on him. They, they scourged him. They nailed him. They pierced him. And what did he say? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They're helping me. And I'm going to usher in mercy, but they don't know. How many of us can say that? Lord, have mercy. <laughs> when we're going through the stuff, when situations are just unbearable, when that pain doesn't leave, when those kids don't act right, when the money disappears and the bills are piling up. And we say, Lord, have mercy. And you think that he doesn't hear you? Let's see. So let's talk about all of that we saw in the, old in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. But I'm so glad for the transition that Jesus is our mercy seat. Let's talk about how he had to deal with those people who really thought they knew him or they knew the old mercy seat. Let's talk about that. So now what happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why did your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now they did that because they could not stand tax collectors. Tax collectors were like the, the worst. Um, Matthew was a tax collector and they just figured he was a, a sellout. Yes, he was Jewish. They figured he was a sellout because he worked for the Roman government. It was our day, in our day, the IRS. So they hated them and they equated tax collectors as sinners. So it says, when Jesus heard that, I love how Jesus has excellent hearing. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, 
but those who are sick. But go and learn. Here is the rebuke. Go and learn what this means. It was already recorded in Hosea 6 and 6. He had to go back and tell them, go learn that because you ain't got it. Go learn. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm calling them to a change of mind. I'm calling because I'm giving them a revelation of who I am and how I act. They miss, the Pharisees miss Christ's intention. So then uh, Matthew 23 and 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. You know, so what struck me out here, they was paying tithes on seasoned salt and and in our day, I'm just, you know, paraphrasing. They was being tithes on seasoning. On Lowry's. Black pepper. Pink Himalayan salt. Can you see how we can get crazily mixed up on stuff that don't matter? He said, you missed it. You missed it. So judgment means being fair. So Sometimes we have to look at what that word judgment means because sometimes we think it means, you know, it's the slap down, it's the beat down. But in this particular um, meaning and translation of this word, it means being fair and even-handed in judgment. Mercy means being compassionate and kind in action. And faith means being loyal to God and keeping his law. Justice was a little more accurate modern translation of judgment and faith might be better rendered faithfulness or trust. Thus, Jesus is speaking about justice, compassion, and faithfulness or loyalty. So when he was dealing with weightier matters, because this paying ties off a seasoning, that wasn't weighty to him. That was, that was nothing to him. Waiter means it was more important. It was central. It was uh, more decisive as compared to what is peripheral or secondary. That other stuff, that stuff that we um, want to magnify as being import important, when it's not lining up with Christ's intention, it means it's, it's very trite. So thus the intent of God's law is to produce justice, compassion, and kindness and loyalty to God. Of course, the major thing that we will produce is a right relationship with God and men, and character will be built. This is from the Forerunner's Commentary. Can I read that again? The intent of God's law is to produce justice, compassion, and kindness, and loyalty to God. The major thing that will be produced in all of this is number one, a right relationship with God, and two, a right relationship with men, with one another. And then character, do you see how character is built? Because we have right relationships with God and one another. So here's an example of Jesus showing mercy. I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. This is when they were in the um, in, in the wilderness. 
or and two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd, here we go with that crowd mentality, that mob mentality, the crowd sternly told them, shut up. That's in, that's in you know, pan version. But they cried out all the more. See, when you're in trouble, it was like, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And don't you love it when he stopped? When he hears your cry above all the din of everybody that, that is dealing with uh, the seasonings. <laughs> He's hearing what you've got to say. He stopped and he called them and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, have mercy. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Lord, my servant is severely tormented. You said, I'll come. Did you see how the level of mercy that is exhibited just from the cry? And sometimes we can't understand why mercy ain't showing up. But I'm telling you, mercy showed up. You know why? His mercies are new every day. The fact that you woke up. The fact that you have the activity of your limbs, the fact that you can acknowledge, you can hear me. Can you hear me? You got ears. Can you see me? You can see. Mercy. Mercy. We take for granted a lot of things and don't know that this is mercy. So this was more important to God's intention than buildings, than programs, than appearances, than seasonings, than anything that people exalt. Then running around the building, then, then fish rides, then platforms, then everything. The thing that um, is embraced, that is wrapped as God's gift, is this gift of mercy. His intention from the very beginning in the, in the garden, they messed up mercy, clothed them with fig leaves. And even though they had to get out of there, he made a place for them to go. All right, now, so then, back then, he was only accessible to the high priest. It was separated by a veil. The sacrifice was bulls and goats. The law was contained inside the ark. The high priest prayed for the sins of the people, the congregation. Once a year, there was a pot of oil inside the ark. The ark had to be carried on the shoulders. The tabernacle was in the wilderness. The high priests were sinful and could die. They had to apply the blood on the altar and they had to bring gifts and sacrifices. All these things, this was what they had to do as it related to the mercy seats. Now, I'm so glad for now, Christ is accessible to all. The veil was destroyed. There's no more separation. Um, it was the spotless blood of lamb. You know, when the priests had to find an appropriate sacrifice, they had to go through all these other little lambs and see if there was one little imperfection, he couldn't be sacrificed. Now, I know the, the lamb probably was glad, but um, the lamb had to be perfect. So before the law was contained in the ark, but now the law, God's law, the word is written on our hearts. 
the priest prayed for the sins of the, of, of the people one time a year. Christ intercedes for us at the right hand of God forever, forever. There was a pot of oil inside the ark, but Christ is the oily one and he's inside of us. He's the ark, Christ within us, the hope of glory. We are the tabernacle. Christ, our high priest, is holy, blameless, separate from sinners, and higher than the heavens. Not in the wilderness, uh, not uh, uh, intermingling with, with different things that they had to go through. The, the priests had to go through these different formalities before they could even come before um, making the sacrifice. He shed his own blood. He gave us a better covenant. He cleanses our consciousness from dead works. Isn't that wonderful? Did you get that? The dead works, he just started washing that stuff right out so we can live for him. He is our mediator of mercy. We are being sanctified. He has ratified a new covenant for us. We're not bound by old covenants. We are bound in the new covenant. And guess what? He is the gift. So what will you do with that gift? What will you do? Who will you show mercy? Understanding how much mercy we've been given. How much he has done such a wonderful work in us. How he loves us. How he um, extends mercy to us for the reach. How he extends mercy to us understand how to walk in the kingdom, how to move from the prophetic and exercise who we are in the apostolic, how, how we can see when we're in perfect conditions and that mercy that's wrapped around us, that's transformed our identity, that makes us so grateful until we have to, we are compelled to show that mercy to somebody else. How can we become mercy carriers. Now, there is um, some types of, um, I guess, uh, quizzes, I'll say, or questionnaires, and you can see what your spiritual temperament is, and if you're a mercy shower, and blah, blah, blah. And I know some of us are mercy showers, and some not. But don't you think that it is his intention that because of his great mercy that it is exhibited in us that people being able to see that visible in us will draw all men unto him? Can you understand what a great gift this is? How spectacular that he gives it to us? We're wrapped in mercy. You can look... Look in the mirror and say, Lord, have mercy. Look look how much of a, a gift of mercy that he has done. I tell you what, look at who you were five years ago, 10 years ago. If you're older like me, 20, 30 years ago. I tell you what, look at who you were Sunday after the message. His mercies fail not. Great is his mercy. I hope this bless you. Father, I just thank you so much 
for the revelation, the teaching, the training of what you're doing and all the examples that we have seen of your extent of mercy, when things looked impossible, when things looked unforgivable, we have learned how we've walked through the scriptures, how you have extended mercy and how we are so grateful, even outside of the scriptures where we can walk through the corridors of our own life. When there were times when we were uh, unbelievably against what you were doing, times when we were uh, so discouraged, so despondent, so broken, so um, sick physically. Father, so many things where we saw you differently. We may have seen you angry, but I thank you has how we have walked and we understand now that you're not against us, you're for us, that you love us exceedingly, that no matter what has happened in the past, today is now and there's forgiveness and healing and wholeness. And I thank you, Father, that as we look in the mirror of your word, that we are beholding who you are and we are transformed and we can move from glory to glory. We thank you, Father, how you are exhibiting your mercy and that we will exhibit that same mercy and we will look for examples. We will look for um, situations, Father, to exhibit your mercy. We will no longer walk blindly about those uh, circumstances and people who are begging for an encounter with you. So we thank you so much, God. Thank you for the stir. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this gift wrap of mercy that you placed down on the inside, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We just praise you. We thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We thank you, Father, for what you're sharing with us tonight. And we um, ask that from this day forward, this is another layer where we will no longer be the same. And we remember your graciousness and mercifulness to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.